and gentlemen, boys and girls, and everybody in between. He's a South Texan poppy poet living that hashtag middle class gay life. It's Chibi. She's a little bit Selena, a little bit JLo, and a whole lot of Pisces. It's Rocky. And this is Words and Shit. The show where you get to know the person behind the poetry. Brought to you by Write Art Out. Hey, Rocky. Hey, friends. <laughs> Look at you. You even got a chance to put on a little lipstick. I did. I did. I mean, like, I got to, like, you know, be about my intro. I want to be a little bit Selena, a little bit of J-Lo. Mm-hmm. And, like, they've been looking fabulous. I don't know. Like, Oh, my God. Did you see her at the Met? I did. I did. Anywho. It's been a day. Let's just put it out there. Audience, every anybody that's watching... Of the, the three of us here, Roddy's here, she's in the back, uh, have all collectively decided that it's been a fucking day today. It really has. It definitely has. Um, we were like, is Mercury in reggaeton right now? Like, not even like a good reggaeton where it's like mm-hmm. throwbacks, like, yes, like, I'm feeling myself. It's like, ooh, like, ooh. we got Katy Perry <laughs> remix on it. Like, oh, <laughs> no, not the Katy Perry reggaeton. Yeah, yeah. I'm ready for a new day. I'm ready for new beginnings. I'm ready to move forward. Uh, and speaking of new beginnings, didn't you just move into a new? I, this is a new background for you. Aren't you living in a new place? Yes, it is a new background. It is very pale. There are no more bricks. It's not a brick <laughs> wall. Um, I'm still trying to find my lighting. Like right now, I'm like, oh, Tibby's probably like, there's not enough light on Raquel. No, we we will fabulous. we will work that later <laughs> on. You, you look fabulous. I love it. I'm so happy for you and your new your new apartment. Your first time living alone in New York City. Yeah, it really is. I feel like it's a huge goal. Like I'm an actual adult. Like this is the like a little tiny step before getting a house because living by yourself in New York, I think it's a big deal. Uh huh. It absolutely is. So you are now transitioning to this new phase of your life, which is so great. And I feel like there's a lot of transitions that are happening, like also in the poetry world, right? Uh, especially exactly. in poetry slam, uh, it's kind of we're we're navigating the unknown. Some slams are back, some are not, some are virtual. What are we working towards? There's no nationals. Yeah. I don't know what's happening. <laughs> No, but we are here. We're trying to like go through it and, you know, we're trying to figure out all these transitional phases, even though they might be challenging, they might be a little scary. I, but we have to just welcome it, right? Mm-hmm. We are kind of ending the summer um, and transitioning to a fall season, mm-hmm. right? Um, a time yeah. of rest and a time to recuperate and, and, to, so- and to get and to like just jump into the next phase, right? Yeah a lot of the way that like a lot of poetry scenes are kind of starting up their new phase right and starting their new poetry season uh and i'm just i'm just excited that today we have on our show a guest that is a poetry slam spoken word vet Mm -hmm. and champ and Mm -hmm. uh we gonna dive into all the nitty-gritty and just get going with the conversation so let's let's welcome our guest onto the show yes Today's guest, Def Jam poet and author of One Name All Caps, Roddy, is an artist, teacher, and workshop facilitator and award-winning writer specializing in spoken word. Her work covers topics such as civil rights, body, sex, positivity, colorism, sexism, and more, all while reflecting her life experiences as a fat black lesbian. She reigns as a three-time Poetry Slam champion of the New Jerusalem team. She is the 2021 Baltimore Pride Slam champion, the last slam champion of the New Yorkian Poets Cafe, and a former member of the International Brooklyn Slam team, and was the third top female slam poet in the world for two consecutive years. Y'all show some love in the comment section. Give it up for our guest, Roddy. Yay. Hi, friend. Hi. It's so great to talk to you and see you virtually, you know? And I'm like, oh, yeah. Well, I love that, like, the last slam champion of the New Yorican Poets Cafe. Like, you know, because you're like, oh, it's been it's been a year and a half, like two years. It's been a minute. I don't I don't know. You know, when another one comes up, I will definitely take that out of my bio. Not That's a flex. That's a flex. Own it. Mm-hmm. I, I hear that. <laughs> oh man. Well, I'm so excited to go into this conversation. And usually um what we do is we bring in, you know, guests all the time and you're going to share this intimate space and I want to 
ask like, how's your heart? How's your heart this year, this week, this summer, this season? How's it? Oh how's it going? my God. Uh, this year has been a year full of lessons. Um, mm. As far as, as far as my entering from 2020, um, to be honest, a lot of people needed love last year and that kind of just carried on into this year with people, you know, thinking that, um, that it would be over by now and it's progressing. So they need a little bit more love. So um, as far as the summer, I'm not gonna lie. This summer for me was a straight dub. I didn't do anything but work. Uh, I thought it was gonna be popping, you know, after summer 2020, I knew everybody was gonna turn up for 2021. And then Delta was like, nah, sis, we gonna cut that out real quick. I know for a lot of people, they didn't care, but I cared. I'm keeping my ass home. So, uh, um, it was just working and, and again, spending time with family, showing love to people who really, really, really needed it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been a lot of reading, a lot of writing, mm-hmm. a lot of getting back with things and, and a lot of self-reflection, which is something that was um, easy to avoid before COVID. Self-reflection was very easy to avoid, mm-hmm. very easy to be distracted by other things. Mm-hmm. But I think because we were in the house for so long and, you know, just in our own ways, isolated, even if you weren't completely isolated, it was something that was now isolated or something that was limited for you in this time period. So it, it's it's been a huge growth period. Mm-hmm. I can't wait to go back out there. Can't wait to see what people have been working on. I know for some poets, like every time I turned on, you know, any type of social media was always this per- this poet has a new poem and this person has a new book. And, it, and I'm just like, guys, I'm just over here cooking and. It's <laughs> perfectly fine. Like in itself, cooking is just a way of survival and and your own way of art, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I I can't wait to dive into this conversation with you and get to know like what's been going on with all this self reflection, what's been happening, what you've been cooking, you know, what you've been working on. Uh, share some love here in this space. Uh, but before we jump into the deep conversation, we like to. Yeah start off the session for anybody that's watching that maybe doesn't know you uh isn't familiar with you we're gonna have a segment that we like to call speed dating so we're just gonna ask you a series of questions real brief okay. uh and you feel free to answer as in-depthly or as concisely as you feel is necessary to justify your answer okay all right all right let's do this all right, first question. I know you you are an educator, you're a teacher, you work with a whole bunch of students across the spectrum. Uh, what is your favorite grade level or group of people to teach? Middle school, gotta, oh. gotta say middle school kids. Um, okay. Literally from sixth to eighth grade, that's that's my window, I, I, I love. Um, not only because they need a little extra love and attention, I think, like just off bat, but because they're doing so much, I think people uh, forget how much transitioning happens in middle school, how much figuring out yourself comes in at middle school when you start, you know, your body's going through changes and your face is changing and your voice is changing and seeing seeing students really come into themselves, you know, how they enter into middle school in, in the sixth grade and exit in the eighth grade. And it's just so much fun. You never know what's gonna happen. It's always shocking, you know? It's like that, it's like, they're right in that middle spot. So some things you feel like, okay, they're probably too old to be doing that, probably too young to be doing that, but it's always so fucking exciting. You can't get mad at them. <laughs> well, bless your heart, because it takes a very special kind of person to work with middle schoolers, so. <laughs> so I've been told, I know. I know they're, they're tough on others, which is another reason, like, you know, once you get love from them, you, mm-hmm. you know it's all from the heart, all mm-hmm. from the heart, because they don't fuck with a lot of people. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh damn, that's a good year. Those are good ages. Love that. I love that. All it's right. Tough, so my thing is, do you? I actually, I wanted to say that I really love your energy. Your energy is like popping. Like I think the world has been missing this like vibrant energy because you're just saying like you've been inside for a majority oh, of the time. You. You're welcome. And I just want to ask, like, do you have a mantra or any type of like words or affirmations to make you feel powerful in the beginning of the day? Oh. If you guys can see my bathroom, you can see my wife's words <laughs> all over, like sticky notes all over the bathroom. Um, one of the things that I've always loved and I, I've incorporated into my life as soon as I heard it is to ask for forgiveness, not permission. Mm. Um, I think that you should, I think people 
should do as much as they want to do as long as it's not hurting anyone in any way, shape, or form, and it makes you feel nice, I think you should do it. Um, there was another woman that I followed on Tumblr, um, and her philosophy was, if you bought 100 of something, whatever thing that you love, and you bought 100 of it, go out and buy 100 or more. Go get another mm. Like, just surround yourself with things that make you feel good, things that make you feel happy. D dig into that. And don't ask for that. Don't ask if that's okay for you to do. It is okay for you to do it, you know? I think that um, by asking for forgiveness and not permission, you're allowing yourself to be your full self. Mm. Be your full self. See who rocks with you. A lot of times... Uh, You'll be surprised when you're just on your way and you're doing your own shit. You'll be surprised how many people can really, really align with you. And life has taught me when, when you meet those type of people who align with you and you're being your authentic true self, those yeah. people are true people. They stay around for quite some time. Mm. I love that. I'm, I'm, I love that. I need that. I need that right now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm taking it in. I'm taking it in. All right. Next question. You mentioned food earlier and a lot of cooking. I too have been doing a lot of cooking and I love it. Uh, so I asked this of, of every guest that we bring on, what is your favorite food dish to eat? Ooh, to eat now. Okay. Cause I, and I'm gonna say this cause I know it may sound simple, but a lot of people do not get it right. Mm. I love potatoes in any way, shape and form. You can never go wrong with a potato. Mm. No, ever. Right. However, the person who can make mashed potatoes, you have my heart. If you can make a nice bowl, and I mean some good mashed potatoes, but I don't need anything else. I don't need no meat. I don't need no vegetables. I can just have your bowl of mashed potatoes. You got me. You got me oh. so. I love it. I love all, I love the different kinds of it. My mom's, uh, hers is, is she leaves, she likes to leave little lumps in there. I remember the first time I had mashed potatoes that had, that was red potatoes and it was like red skins in there. I'm mm. like, oh. Just, just take me on the journey. I love, it. <laughs> I love me some mashed potatoes. And not every, I remember the first time somebody, uh, like they, they flimflammed me, they bamboozled me, and uh, gave me some box mashed potatoes. I was hurt. I was hurt. I couldn't believe. I didn't even know they existed in <laughs> my adult years. I had no idea you could buy potatoes in a box until yeah. I was like twenty five. I had no idea. <laughs> You know, it's interesting. You're the second poet we've had on here that have said that has said potatoes. You know, you can't but, but they just left it as like, yeah, tater tots, fries. fries, baked potatoes, mashed potatoes, oh. potato soup. You know, it's just you can't go wrong. You can't you, go wrong with it. But but you specified it with mashed potatoes, and I'll take that. My mom's secret is to put a whole slab of cream cheese in there. Ooh, oh, I like to put sour cream in mine. You put what are yours? Sour cream. That's what my mama do. My mama put sour cream in hugs. Mm. I'm gonna try that cream cheese. Mm -hmm. Just a whole that. slab in there with the potatoes and just mash it all together. Ooh, mm -hmm. I know that flavor is unparalleled. Uh -huh. mm. I'm gonna go eat now. I know, because I'm like, <laughs> I dig, like, you know what? I love mashed potatoes, especially whenever like my stomach feels small or for some reason, I just need to like eat something, but I just don't want to chew as much. Like mashed potatoes. <laughs> this you know what? People, I, I had to learn that that's a real feeling. Somebody asked me that a while ago. Was like, have you ever been hungry, but you just don't feel like chewing? And yeah. I was like, oh no. <laughs> and I realized, you know what? Yeah, that's a thing that actually happens. Yes. Look, Brianica Jackson also says she feels <laughs> the same way about mashed potatoes. So we, this is the mashed potatoes club officially. I love it. Word. I love it. See, I know I'm talking to my people. I know y'all know me. I know y'all too. <laughs> oh, love it, love it. All right, so this is our last, my last question. You know, we talked about like the fall and um, and it is a time to rest. Um, so I want to know like what habits or behavior do you want to put to rest to transform for the upcoming year? Oh, man. Um, <laughs> one of my poor homies, and I, she gonna know exactly who she is when I say, because she says this to me all the time. I need to learn. Uh, I need one thing. I need to put to rest is is the uh, this this tendency I have to stand in my own way. She always tells mm. me to get out of my own way, and and I know I do. I know I'm in my way sometimes. I'll be overthinking a mile a minute for absolutely, you know, a task that takes me 14 minutes to do, I'm overthinking about it for about a month and it took me that that quick to do it. Um, so that's one of the things I want to do, you know, just stop questioning myself, stop, stop being the obstacle within myself, you know, realize 
which I have, you know, when we realize that we are the root to some of our problems, the realization mm -hmm. is just one part. It's working to not be the root to your problem anymore. That's the other part. So it's like, mm -hmm. I've, I've realized that. So it's time to apply what the hell I know. What mm -hmm. Molly said, insecure, I'm on some no better, do better shit. Like, you know what's up. You know, you already know what's going on. You know what you you know what the problem is. You know how you're contributing to your own problems. It may not always be you 100%. I mean, we're in America. Society's fucked up. I get it. But at some point, we are contributing a little bit to our own problems. So when we see that, speaking to myself, when I see that, it's time to step out my own way. Allow myself to be great. I'm, mm. I'm I'm gonna write that when I'm a no, no better do better. All right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we are going to get out of your way now uh, because we want to open up with a poem and then dive into the conversation. For anybody that's currently watching live out in Facebook land or YouTubeville, uh, please use the comment section as as you've already seen. We, we are paying attention. We want to hear your voices. Let us know. Shout something out. If you hear a line, that's fire. If you agree, if you disagree with whatever the conversation is happening. If you have a question for Roddy, put it in the comment section and we will funnel it in that direction, okay? Um, but now, like I said, we're going to get out of the way and Roddy, if you could please uh, bless us with the poem to get us of going. Of course, of course. I didn't know which one I was going to spit. I told y'all, I told I told my folks who, who tuning in and let me know which one to spit and nobody let me know. So I'm going to just go with one. <laughs> Newsflash. Being fat is not a curse. There are things far worse than being a few pounds over what society deems normality. They tell us that beauty equals Barbies and wonder why people fill themselves with plastic until they are lying in boxes. Surround us with artificial replicas of actual food that clog arteries, yet question why the number one killer among us is heart disease. See, I know all these health issues were related to obesity, but I'm healthy. Don't breathe heavy. Wear clothes that fit me. Look pretty damn good in black if I must say so myself. Love life is anything but boring, so don't be astonished that I have self-confidence and damn comfortable in the skin that I'm in. Proving us fatties don't live sad, miserable lives, and we ain't wrong for not being able to fit into a certain size, yet it's always assumed that the plate with the biggest portions is mine. Or in a race, I'll be the last person to cross the finish line. Has there ever been a time someone's made you feel less beautiful but not looking like the person sitting next to you? I'd rather someone be 300 pounds top than them pushing their fingers down their throat trying to get one of those zeros to drop just to be called pretty, just to please someone else, just to get a compliment and feel good about yourself. Because if you're too fat, you're ugly, too skinny, you look sick, and sitting your wrist and in it all justifies that you're a fucking lunatic. Well, excuse the hell out of me for being happy. I apologize that I am not lonely and I'm sorry for looking in the mirror at me and knowing every single pound of who I see is motherfucking sexy. I have it hard enough just waking up and being me, being oppressed every day for being a woman, being gay, being black. I'll be damned if you take my rights again because I'm fat. Nothing has to be the same between you and me. We don't have the same skin color hair texture, all the same eyes, so where's it written down that we must be the same size? Truth be told, whether young, old, fat, black, white, or blue, there will always be something someone will find to hate about you. Like you can't be a good fucking friend unless you're a size fucking 10. Nah, we live in this country where companies make trillions of dollars off of our insecurities. Skin bleaches, fat burners, hell, even this push-up. All cosmetic subliminals reminding you that you are not good enough to be considered a walking symbol of beauty. And whether fat or skinny, nothing should ever make you question whether you are because we are. I've been this way since birth and it is not a curse. It is a fact. So I won't sugarcoat shit. <laughs> That's how we start a show. <laughs> <laughs> look at that. I look pretty damn good myself. That's right, Joe. But Jade and Jack—that's right. Mm -hmm. Jay, Jay Franklin, you do look pretty damn good. That's right, babe. <laughs> I'm reading the comments here. Um, 
So how how what, how how are we doing this? Am I taking a break here or no? No, we go straight into talking about it. Like it's that's how you just do poetry. And now when we get to talk and chill. Oh, man, man. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, yo. I you know I really do love like that poem, especially the fact that so in my family I'm like the little thicker one. Right. And I always hate when they're like, oh, Raquel's coming. Like, we brought you bread as if like nobody else likes bread. Like, bread is amazing. <laughs> Why do you like your bread just for me? Or like, yeah, or like, here you go, Raquel. Here, here's like an extra portion of like half a lasagna, you know, half a lasagna. I'm like, I, I'm good. I can, I can eat this, like the regular portion. It's totally fine. If not, and then I can help myself if I want to more. Like, I understand. I love it. When people see me, I'll be telling them, look, I, I, I'm a skilled eater. I can eat. However, <laughs> I can't eat a lot in one sitting. So I know when people see me sometimes, you know, they, they get excited, they want to cook, and I love it. Please cook for me. Feed me. I got no <laughs> problem with that. But they put them big portions, and I'm like, this body got your food, baby. I ain't going to be able to get all that down. <laughs> I can't stuff it in there. <laughs> but if it's good, I'm going to eat that motherfucker. You better believe it. I may have to take some home to go. But it's gonna get a definitely that. It's mm. it's so interesting the, the 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 like the the shame that people put on body sizes because like like I know people that you know are heavy but healthy, and I also know people who are like super thin and very unhealthy and like how much focus is put into it like. You know, I, I gained the COVID weight, right? Yeah. Uh, and for, and for my for my frame, you know, it maybe was not noticeable to a lot of people, but to my family, it was real noticeable. They were like, "You've been gaining weight. What's happening?" And it's like they they I, see it I'm, immediately. I'm eating. Yeah. So like, I'm curious. I'm like, I want to hear from you. Like, obviously, like that poem is very much about like embracing who you are, your yeah. size. This is who I am. Fuck what anybody else thinks. Like, uh, but I don't. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think that poem was something that maybe you were living that you've been living your whole life. You know, like no, was was there a moment? Yeah, wasn't. what was that moment of just kind of like being mm -hmm. like, all right, I'm done with all the fat shaming. I'm done with what you expect me to be. I'm and you know what's crazy? I, I I was just talking to my um, I was just talking to my 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 younger my youngest sister about it. Um, because I remember that day vividly. I, I honestly mm -hmm. do. Um, when I was younger, when I first, when I first was introduced to the world, I didn't see anything different. Nothing was different between me and anybody else. You know, my friends were a little bit smaller. My pants were a little bit bigger. That's, that's fine. Whatever. Uh, but I was a daddy's girl, you know, a huge daddy girl. I looked just like my dad and my dad's a big guy and everybody loved daddy. So figured being big was the shit. I thought it was a good thing. You know, everybody always said bigger was better. Why want more? I mean, why want, why get less when you can have more? So I'm thinking as a kid, this is great, you know? Mm -hmm. And um, I remember the world teaching me, no, this is not great. You are not supposed to look like this. You're not supposed to be this size. And mm -hmm. when they would tell me reasons why, when I learned the reason why from, from you know, not just family, but from TV, from from classmates, from, you know, from just life in general, it was always things that like, okay, but I can do that. And and I, I learned young, like I, I was trying to learn like, okay, maybe if I showed them that I can do things that most big people can't do, they'll accept me. Maybe if I ran faster, maybe if I did sports, you know, maybe if I, uh, I, I do wear, maybe if I do wear heels and, and things that they think big people can't do, maybe if I show them that I can do it, they'll, you know, accept it. And um, getting older, it didn't happen that way, you know, and me trying to figure it out. Once I got to high school, I believe this was like, this was after my um, my junior year. Junior year, that summer going into senior year, I went overseas for like a month. I was in Europe, fucking living, never knew I would be there in France and in Italy, Italy and shit. And in Italy, being big is not a bad thing, especially when you big and you look like me, that was not bad at all. And I remember coming home in um, senior year and, and just thinking, you know what? I'm just gonna stop giving a fuck what people think about me. Like I realized that was my problem. I didn't really think that I had a problem. Like I didn't think anything negative about myself. Everything that stopped me was always me thinking, what was the next person gonna think about me? Mm. So I said, you know what? I'm gonna just pretend at first. I'm gonna just pretend to not give a shit about what anyone thinks about me. And I'm gonna see how well I can pretend. 
And I literally did that every day. I just pretend every time that something came in my head, like, no, don't do that because somebody may think this, like, if it was wearing a certain um, wearing a certain cut of jeans to school or dancing a certain way at a party, I was just like, fuck it. I'm not going to think about it. I'm going to do what I want to do and just see what happens. Life got a lot better. Next thing mm-hmm. I know, the pretending, I didn't need to pretend anymore. It was just innate. I just didn't give a shit. Like, by the time it was senior senior class trip, I was on laying next to the pool, belly out, shirt open, didn't give a damn. Like, and it was... It was so great to see people who not only like, you know, it was a lot of people who who wanted to do that. Like they gravitate toward that. Like, yo, I, you wearing that kind of makes me want to take, you know, take off my shit and wear my stomach out too. Do that shit, you know, put the belly out. And that's when I started doing even more. Once I, once I, once I got to this part, I started, um, cause I'm attracted to, I'm attracted to, to, to all types of women. I'm attracted to women of all shapes of all sizes. So it would drive me crazy when I meet this, beautiful woman, this beautiful, heavy woman, and they had self-esteem issues. It would bother me. Like, how do you not think you're beautiful? Like, do you see you? You're fucking, you bad as shit. Mm-hmm. And um, it would, it, would, it would bother me to the point where I would get angry sometimes. And I had to realize like, no, you can't get angry because they're not on the path. They're not where you are. It took you a while to get here. And now it's your job to bring other people in. So fuck it. I started doing as much as I can um, on Facebook. I was doing a day in fat beauty for like two years straight, every day. Mm-hmm. I would post someone who was heavy set, who didn't seem to blend into the standard norm. And I would show them in different settings, getting married. Not only big women, but big men too, because big men need love too. Mm-hmm. I started wearing crop tops around, you know, anytime I'm in Texas or anytime it's hot and I want to take my clothes, I'm taking that shit off. Like, you know, I stopped tucking the stomach in the pants, let that shit hang out. Like, you know, I'm, I'm trying to show people, yo, it doesn't, again, if you love you and you are you authentically, the people who come to you are supposed mm-hmm. to be, they're gonna be true, they're mm-hmm. gonna like you too. Mm. I like love all of this, yes. Uh, such great affirmations, it is, it is like so, so I've been like looking at like different TikToks, right? Cause yeah. I'm an old millennial on TikTok and I'm on lesbian talk, right? <laughs> And the thing is, like, a lot of these beautiful, beautiful, thick, heavy set, fat, you know, all just different types of bodies, like, they're like, when you mean that you want me to sit on you, like, do you want me to hover or sit? And it's like, no, like, take me out. Like, if I die, I die. That's the best. And I've been trying to write a poem around that for a while. Like, I don't think people understand and, and that's the only thing stopping me. It's like, I don't think people understand as a big girl, mm-hmm. not only being asked that, but the first time actually doing it and doing it successful, like the, the fears of it, the joy of it. It's a very, it's a, it's a point in our lives where it's like, you know what? And after we get past it, bitch, we take off. Yeah. <laughs> we take off. <laughs> Can't get us off. I know, exactly. Look, I'm without saying too much, just know there are other people who are 100% in love with being smothered by being sat on. All right. (laughs) Oh, I know. Let me know that. that. (laughs) So, okay. Follow me on Twitter. Y'all laughing, y'all relate. Follow me on Twitter. I don't have a stitch of makeup on. You can see me blushing. Because uh, <laughs> we nasty up in this house. Uh, but let's talk about the nastiness then. You know? yes. I think it goes hand in hand with like, bo- with like body image, you know, body size and acceptance of one size. Because again, like outside of just like, I think the shaming that happens because it's like, oh, you're fat, you're going to die of diabetes or you're going to get a heart attack or like for your health or whatever. There's also the shaming uh, when it comes to like a sexual aspect, right? And I think at least I move in circles and I think Rocky does too, that embraces the sexual liberation of all sizes, all styles. We don't kink shame up in this house, you know, like whatever whatever floats your boat go float it and float it far friend um so like was 
was that a journey for you as well? Or like once you, like you came into yourself as like, this is my body, you were just like, and I'm going to do whatever I want with it. With Ooh, whoever again, uh, to be honest, uh, sex was another journey where uh, mm. when, when, when you're younger and you're big, you kind of think that's going to be a part of your life that you're going to miss out on, right? Mm. So they, they tell you that, you know, you're plus size. So not only will you possibly not be what the what the people are looking for, but if they are looking for you, it's probably a negative connotation that comes along with it, right? Mm. Like they only want to see you in the dark, or they only want to. Mm. Like, you get so mixed up in these things, and again, when you when you're young, you don't know. You're just taking all the information in, that people are teaching you, and then you go out into the world. And people in the world either they prove what you learn. Some of them prove what you learn to be correct, and then some of them completely go against it. Yeah. So. Um, and uh, for me, sex has always been something that was, it's, it's always been a little bit, it, it wasn't as taboo as people made it. You know, um, as a kid, I kind of knew what it was. You know, it wasn't rocket science. It was nothing I was excited about or uh, was rushing to get to. My, my mother was very, very open with conversations about it. She made it known to us very, very young. Whatever we wanted to know, talk, you know, let her know. Um, however, conversations that she was prepared to have was with a very heterosexual daughter, which yes. I was not straight <laughs> out of that. Uh, so <laughs> questions that I had, I had to learn how to dress them up a little bit, <laughs> you know, mm. um, certain things that, you know, a, a, a woman tells her straight daughter as far as tips for her sexual well-being and how to be satisfied, that doesn't really apply to me over here. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> That's one of the beauties of 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 being um of being in the LGBT community or being mm -hmm. not heterosexual, being gender fluid of all that nature is that um because our sex is not taught in schools because there isn't any section in it that we could you know I don't know about now but when I when I was in school it wasn't you know because we we didn't have a lot of people to really talk to about that when we were younger um mm -hmm. we were kind of forced to talk about what pleased each other we we kind of we, that conversation was natural to us um we didn't assume that, you know, I mean, this is, if I'm with a woman, I can't just assume that I know what you like, right? Because mm. in health, they say that this goes in there and people feel good. And I don't have something that goes in, neither do you. So <laughs> I make each other feel good. And then that conversation starts happening, that back and forth. Um, and also because of like so many stigmas, it was, it was so many things growing up around me, like sexually, it was like, okay, uh, I know that I like women, you know, was, was it, with, with dudes, it was really, really like filling, filling this, this world out. Mm -hmm. um, and one thing I noticed with guys, it's like, okay, it'll be close to where we about to do something and they just say something or they do something and it just turns me off completely. Oh. <laughs> so I'm just like, it, it'll, it, 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 even if you found that one, like it would be times, uh, once in a bloom when I find a guy who didn't say or do something stupid. And I'm just like, you know what? As for lack of a better term, I should be wetter. I don't understand why I'm not. <laughs> like, you're a great person, but I don't think, like, she's just not responding to you. And then what a, when, when I realized I was attracted to women, women didn't have to, still to this day, ain't got to do much. They just got to walk through the room. And I'm just open. Like, they don't have to say anything. Don't have to talk to me, nothing. I'm just like, oh, my God. Like, uh. So it's obviously not me. I'm not the problem. You are, buddy. <laughs> but um, love it. Yeah. So you know, you're you're you know coming into that and learning how to love your body, finding people who I was blessed to find partners who not only like really really enjoyed plus size women. Like that was something I, I was very very gun go on. Like if you don't like fat niggas, I ain't for you. I'm letting mm -hmm. you know that straight off bat. But I was blessed to find partners who actually like made me feel not only beautiful but made me feel sexy you know like they made me feel like no like you're you're not just gorgeous you're not just beautiful like you are sexy like you, i really i i want th and then when people started seeing that in me it's like damn i, I want to see that in me you know it's great that you see me this way but i need to see me in this way mm -hmm. and um finding that into finding that into myself was like it was took a while but it was it was very very awakening and once i did that it was again another thing this feels good for me i want as many people to come and feel as, as good as that as good as i'm feeling so i make sure not to judge anybody on what they're doing sexually you never know you never know what's gonna you know what gets a person off you know and again as long as it's consensual 
and you are not hurting anyone in any way that they don't want to be hurt, <laughs> you know, and this person is of age and a lot, you got my, uh, do what you gotta do, you know, do what you gotta do. But yeah, um, I, I request, and I believe that sexual liberation, I think a lot of people, when they hear it, they automatically just think of a woman doing whatever she wants and just sleeping with whomever she wants. No, sexual liberation is the power of saying no to whoever the fuck you want to. Like, mm -hmm. that's the best part is that I don't <laughs> have to fuck you at all. Like, I can literally, you can want me all day and it could still be a no. And that could be for a man too. I, I I think men should be proud to say no. Like no, you know, your liberation is men who are sexually liberated as well. Like I feel like you know, experience as much as you can in this life, and figure out what happens. See see what makes you happy, yo. Take your happiness handle with this. And, and there can also be a lot of sexual liberation in a monogamous relationship, right? It is, sexual, yes. Sexual liberation does not mean promiscuous, you know. And it's. It's crazy. Somebody was like, uh, what they say, <laughs> everybody's wondering why polyamorous, polyamorous relationships are on the rise. Like it don't take seven people to buy a house nowadays. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yo, I was having that conversation this week. Yo. <laughs> I hadn't heard that. <laughs> it, it explains a lot. It explains a lot. I'm dead. I'm dead. I'm done. Goodbye. <laughs> no, I love it. I love this. Like, especially because it's, you know, when it comes to sexual liberation, especially with like people of color, black women and like brown women as well, we're just like always so hyper-sexualized. And yeah. it's always like, why do you need the sexual liberation? You're already like sexualized. It's like, well, we want to take back that power or, you know, we definitely do have those insecurities or we, we want to have pleasure. I think that's the whole thing. It's like pleasure for ourselves and like, but there that be pleasure with our partners as well too. And, um, no, I think that's that it's beautiful. I'm out here just like, yes, I love this. Like, I wanna, I just want to like have a dinner with you and be like, yes, let's just talk about this. Let's look at beautiful women and just be like, yes. Please, <laughs> by all means. Like I said, I'm right here in Jersey. You are more than welcome to come here. You are more than welcome to come here. I have no problem cooking. Not a well, problem. This show has facilitated, you know, friendships in the past. So, yeah. <laughs> yo, y'all are more than welcome to come over and come eat. I got my cast irons. I've been, I got, I've been a year into my cast irons. I'm still learning them a little bit, but I'm telling mm -hmm. you, I've been working on some new dishes. We could definitely mm -hmm. get this dinner going. Oh, look, look, I'm, I'm jealous for y'all because I'm down <laughs> in Texas. So, well, I'll be yeah. down there soon. I miss Texas. I miss y'all so much. I'll be up there soon. Baltimore sips. <laughs> All right. You I'm, bring cast irons because I can't bring those on the airplane. What? <laughs> cast the cast irons. We doing some cooking. Oh, no, I can't bring those on the airplane. But if I find a kitchen in Baltimore, they know. They already know. If I find a kitchen, I am definitely cooking. Definitely. Mm. You and me in the kitchen. It's a day. Yes, we can eat. We can do that. That's not a problem. I can't wait for sips, too. Aww. I know something's going to happen. All those rainbows. <laughs> I know something's going to happen. I can't wait. Look, let's let's talk about poetry for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> that was let's, let's talk about poetry. Because, like, you know, like Rocky and I kind of talked about it at the top of the show. We're like, it's a new season of poetry, but also we don't know what the fuck we're working towards uh, in terms of like the poetry slam season, you know, because usually it's like a season of, of competing to make a team to then go represent your city, all that yeah. stuff. Who knows what the fuck's happening, right? Um, yeah. So I don't know if I necessarily want to know what's happening in the world of poetry slam in your world. More than I want to know, what does the absence or presence of Poetry Slam mean to you? Like, mm. it, does, does that drive you in some way? Like the the slam itself and the whole season, the competition, or now that it's gone, do you feel more liberated? Uh, oh. Not gone, but like, I, I think that's where my head is at. I had a whole different question, but that just happened right now. Well, thank you for it. Bomb ass question. Um, and again, the Libra in me, always on the mm. fence, right? Always balanced mm. on both sides. The Gemini in me understands. <laughs> I, get, I get it. Because of course there's pros and cons to slam and uh, being in and out of that culture. One thing I will always, you, you will never hear me shit on slam culture. I love it. It's something that when I started 
uh, taking my performance in poetry seriously, I was thrown right into SLAM. Unbeknownst to what SLAM was, and I've grown in it, and it means a lot to me. I've seen the benefits of it. I've seen how people who really, really love this particular brand of, of art, this, this particular discipline of art, um, I've seen how it's pushed their pen. I've seen how it pushed their performance. I've seen how it pushed social skills, um, pushed their hustle. Um, for even for poets who haven't been doing it for a while, like I've had the honor of having great coaches who were slam poets and who haven't slammed in a while. And being around slam poets and being around the team, I've seen these these poets pick up a mic and go right back into it. And they'll tell you like, you know, slam keeps them sharp. Mm -hmm. I've seen people who've been in SLAM for years and just seeing how they've transformed it and how they made it work for them. Um, SLAM culture has opened so many doors. I tell people all the time, when you walk into a SLAM, especially on a national level, this is something that I always tell my teammates, it's not about winning the SLAM. If you can win that crowd, if they know your name when you leave, it opens so many doors, you know, you may have, you may, you probably didn't win a slam by a point or a point one or whatever, but you did this poem that was about this topic. And there was a woman who works for an organization and they're doing a program about that topic in three months. And they about to hit your ass up for that. Like it opens so many doors for you. Um, and I think it does that because as humans, we like competition. That's just normal. Sports are popular. Anything that's good, if you put it, if you make it a competition, people are going to run to it. So it does get people in the seats. It does bring people out. I think Slam opens a lot of a lot of people up to poetry who probably never would have listened to poetry before. You know, a lot of people who think poetry is supposed to be one specific way. Um, leading into the cons of poetry of, of <laughs> Slam culture, right? <laughs> um, I have seen slam culture again do very great things and do very very not so great things, mm. and people have their opinions of whether or not this is good or not. But teach us on. Um, there were times that in slam where I felt as though you couldn't, you weren't a good slam poet unless you were literally slitting your wrists and bleeding on stage. Mm -hmm. yes. You know, mm -hmm. um, people who are misguided in telling, especially young poets, young poets who are going to brave new voices, young poets who are going to cupsies and saying, hey. I want you to write from your pain, write that trauma. Yeah. And you don't always have to do that. And for me, that's what I, I, you know, once I got into poetry, I'm like, wow, everyone's really sad mm -hmm. in this slam. Like this shit is crazy. And I remember um, seeing this guy come up and doing a poem about Abercrombie and Fitch. It was just, you know, some lighthearted poem. And the way the energy just transforms in the room, yeah, tens off back. Like you know, you it's it, it being a slam culture can make you feel like you have to write a certain way. It'll make you feel like you have to write for slam. You know, mm. you gotta write that. You gotta write in less than three minutes. You gotta have some hot bars in there. It gotta be something that somebody else understands. It has to be able to be played a certain way. Yes, it is a competition, but that's not all there is to it. You know. Um, and now it's, I see that slam has taken on, it's going into this new phase now. Well, not even new. It's just something that's been happening now for, for quite some time where people now are telling you what you can and cannot say and do in the slam as a poet, as an mm -hmm. artist. Mm -hmm. And I think that's very dangerous to place boundaries around um, artists. I think that that limits a lot of the magic that can happen, that people can create. Um, so it, it's, it is something that I've seen poets who've come into slams and, and they've taken it so, so seriously because they're writing from their pain, you know, mm -hmm. because they're writing from something personal. So here it is, you come on the stage and you've done what your coaches told you and you wrote from this pain and you feel great with it and you go on stage and it gets a 7.2. And now you feel terrible because you feel like you just exposed your heart and somebody gave you a, a seven on it, you know? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. it, it 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 could be it could be a lot for some people. I, I and I, again I, I try to my best to inform people like you know it's not you don't the the joy was supposed to be to let it out to let that pain and that trauma out you know mm -hmm. but when you're putting that on stage and you're allowing people to judge it things can get real real icky it could get really really nasty you know it could it can make you feel like because you didn't do 
well with that poem this particular night that maybe you aren't a good artist and nothing could be furthest from the truth you know nothing could be furthest from the truth so again it's a it's a love hate thing it's a as much as i as much as i love love slam i do not like what some people do with slam at all I've seen people do certain shit off stage to improve their slam performances. Like, I, it's unbelievable. It's crazy. But uh, when when you're not working for you, when you're not working for you, the, the fruits and the benefits of it are just nonstop. It's unbelievable how, where slam has taken me. And I didn't know that it could take me this far. And I'm so honored to still be around and still be able to do it. Yeah. Thank you for that. Cause I always, you know, that is always the conversation of like, are we writing from tr trauma? And then how do you grade, grade trauma or score trauma on these slams, right? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. it's like a huge, it, it just like, it's, it's a very gray line, right? Cause it's like, like you were saying, we are now exposing ourselves and going to these very traumatic experiences for the scores sometimes or yeah. ourselves, right? And I know Chibi always talks about like, you know, yes, it could be cathartic. I think the word that we always want to use is that writing is cathartic. It's not therapeutic, it's cathartic, right? It's yeah, just the yeah. release of emotion. Because I hate when people say, oh, you know, poetry is therapy. No, therapy is therapy. Mm. Yeah. Therapy is therapy. Poetry is very therapeutic. The experience of writing it, of sharing mm -hmm. it, of reading it, very therapeutic. But mm -hmm. therapy is therapy, baby. Like, you yeah. got to do that part. Exactly, exactly. And I really want to say thank you for, like, emphasizing that joyful poems can also be awarded and also are as important as, like, those very sad poems, right? Mm -hmm. I think people forget that our joy, especially as, like, a black and brown person, that our joy is revolutionary. It is um, so yeah. radical, right? And yeah because people always want to take away our joy and therefore we are saying you can't take it away it is ours and you know we want to we want to bathe in it so i i want to say thank you for that because sometimes i think yeah like the youth or the new generations they don't want to write joyful poems um all the time and then really this will actually kind of transitions to that you know you do write a lot of serious and heavy subjects but you often weave in some like lighthearted humor in it and i just wanted to say like Tell, tell us about the importance of that and then why do you continue to write those like heartfelt, humorous, um, very empowering um, poems? Uh, well, to be honest, it is, it's the Jersey. It's, this, this is a new <laughs> Jersey. It's the Jersey in me. It, it literally is. Um, You're talking to so, a Jersey girl. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. So uh, my first time being invited on a, um, this is, this is the first time that I've ever slammed with New Jeru. I had just made my first poetry team at my college and went to Cupsies and um, I met this awesome poet and he's like, hey, there's this old school poet, legendary poet in Newark, and he's looking to get some poets together, put together a team and take us to this competition called Southern Pride. And um, one of the girls that he had, or one of the poets that they had fell through and I threw your name up like immediately. So he wants to meet you. I said, sure, okay, cool, you know, what can go wrong? I meet this poet, this guy sitting in a room, and he's telling me to, to describe for him my most influential poem. Like, what is the poem that changed your life? And I'm describing this poem that I've seen on Death Poetry Jam, um, where this guy goes up there, and you know, Death Poetry Jam, this is real deep poetry. You got Erica Badu, you got drums, it's incense, like, this is some deep shit, you know? But this guy goes up there and he does a poem about constipation and the crowd goes crazy. And I'm blown away. Like, yo, I did not know you could write poems about shit like this. Like what? And not only can you write it, but look at how many people loved his poem. Like it was the most influential of the show. And I'm, as I'm describing this piece, my teammate tells me, he was like, you know, that's him, right? Get the fuck out of here. Like the dude who I'm talking to, that's him. That's performing a poem. <laughs> he was like, Yeah, you can pull it up. It is me. And it's Flo Mentos from Jersey. Does this, and I'm sitting right across from this man. And when he was the, he was the, like, just one of my, he's my coach for life, mentor, 
he's taught me so much. And that was, um, if you know anything about Fomentos, if you know anything about his work, you see that comedy is very tied and storytelling is very tied into what he does. And um, not only that, but I've had the honor of being around poets like Big Mike and uh, Gemini, all of them who are deaf, deaf jam poets. And um, they kind of let me know, like, you know, this is Jersey is is the place that funny poems do very well. Mm. If you can, if you could get someone to laugh, because in Jersey ain't nobody really laughing like that. So you get that face to crack a smile, you won them over. And um, I've always been a lover of 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 any piece of art that makes me feel different emotions. Something that can make me smile and make me cry. Something that makes me feel good and makes me feel a little bit dangerous and unsafe at the same time. Like, you know, I've always I've always enjoyed that. Um, I also believe that the power of humor is very much so, it's so, so underrated if you don't know what you're doing with it. Um, mm -hmm. Getting someone to, to smile again, they think they know where you're going with this poem. They're laughing and having a good time because it is funny, like most things in life, right? Things that we laugh about usually have a very dark undertone uh, that's coming that's coming up next. Like, you know, that's a reason we get to laugh at some of our pain. And um I I I've always I've always done that. Once I realized, okay, not only is this something that I'm good at, but this is true to where I'm from. It is very, very true to where I'm from. It does very, very well. And I enjoy it. You know, I think it kind of separates me out from a lot of different writers. Mm -hmm. um, I do write from a, uh, not only a humorous aspect, but I try to be as urban as possible. I try to write the way that I speak. I believe the way I speak should be learned by as many people as possible. I think I talk very fucking well. I love it. <laughs> I love the uh, I love the the Jersey twang in my voice. I love the uh, the the academic twang in my voice. I love all of it. So um, getting people to smile at me and still feel it. You know, that's beautiful mm -hmm. to say like that poem was felt good. Like you you probably didn't like how it was going in the end, but I know you smiled at least once. <laughs> and that's that's always a great thing. But yeah, yeah um up yeah. north I realized that a lot of a lot of comedy and humor resonates well with people. And mm -hmm. if a person can make you smile and they make you laugh, you kind of warm up to them a little bit quicker. Yeah. Oh man, that's beautiful. I think that's actually a great way to transition to our last poem mm -hmm. yo let's yeah do it. make us smile make us I'm, I'm here for it. <laughs> uh, yeah. i was gonna say we've had big mike on this show we we, we know jersey humor <laughs> and if you know big mike humor because <laughs> that is a hard humor to get used to but oh, again, it's it's something it's, <laughs> it, it's something it's something just like you said it's something but um, it's, it's so it's so great to see him when he's surrounded by people who not only love his humor but understand it, and how re how well they resonate with it. People who come into poetry slams or poetry events and think that they're never going to hear a poem like Big Mike's, and that he comes up there and does it anyway. The only thing that's more entertaining than his poems are, are his haikus. I don't know if you guys nah. heard them, but they are something else, man. They yeah. are something else. So true. And I was going to say, I feel like you and I maybe came up in slam around the same time, like mid, like I came up around like mid 2000s, because mm -hmm. like around that time, like there was a lot of humor in poetry slam. There's a lot of storytelling. There were peaks and valleys to every poem, right? It took you on a journey. And, and yeah. it was, it was crazy seeing that, um, seeing the, the switch of it. Well, not even the switch of it. Like, um, when I got into poetry slam, the first national slam I went to was Cupsy, And, um, mm -hmm. That like going from Cupsy and then immediately going into Southern Fried, whoa! It was like two completely different worlds of poetry. Like, and uh, it's amazing now because we'll we'll see we see a lot of artists who come from Cupsy, a lot of poets who come from Cupsy, and um, once they try out for the team, the poems that they wrote for Cupsy as opposed to the poems that they're writing for So Fried now. The difference of it, how they're able to take their cupsy poems and you know alter it into something that they would like to bring to Southern Fry. Because again, um, even though some poems can be heavy, I do understand the, the need for that as well. I understand the need for that. There is somebody who who needs that story as well. Um, not every poem needs humor, uh, and humor is very very tricky to play with. You know, it could go very right or it could go very wrong. I've seen that happen. I've been a victim of it. It's times that I thought something was gonna give me a lot of laughs and crickets. It was not happening that night. <laughs>
Well, to, Ro to Rocky's point, uh, we would love it if you could close us out with one final poem, take us on a journey, tell us a story. Let's just, let's let's do that. Yeah, just make me smile. Okay. <laughs> so we're going we gonna to make, yeah, let's, let's, let's have a little fun. <laughs> so, Chris, as a woman, society places me beneath you, so I am no threat to you. We ain't even seen as equals. The name is Roddy. And to the average man, I'm a nobody, but I happen to play a very significant role in your life. One I truly believe deserves your gratitude, so I'm expecting little to no attitude, although I'm the woman that's been sleeping with your wife. Whoa, 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 relax, Chris. Damn, this is a good thing in the end. I am more of a friend than an enemy. Have a seat. Let me speak. First of all, you have my utmost respect. Most wives I've met suffer from neglect, but yours, not so much. After intimate observation, I found her spots just needed a woman's touch. See, this is what I do. Find women like yours and make them better lovers for the men like you. Men who have no problem bringing home the bacon deserves a wife who has no hesitation to awaken you sexually. But to do this, she got to be happy. So I took the liberty of putting a little glow in the skin. Hell, I, I put a little spring in the steps. Feel her hollow smiles and all the while you never suspect she was in cahoots with a woman like me. You, you know what I bet? I bet she's never used her tongue more than the first night that we met. I taught her to tease with her taste buds instead of speaking through the silence of an intimate night. She learned that talking with a mouthful was not ladylike. You hated her lack of manners, right, Chris? I used to get pissed when she told me. After a long day's work, when you get home, expecting her to do her wifely duties first, she has the nerve to lose herself in the pleasure. While you're trying to release and go to sleep, she's trying to make it last forever, not understanding that can leave you tiresome. I found a solution to our problem. While you at work, I like to have sex with your wife first. This way, by the time I'm done with round one, I send her back home to you for round two. All she'll need is those four or five minutes you got, and she'll be through. Look at how well I take care of you, Chris. Only a lesbian can give you certain gifts like vast imagination. Y'all know when it comes to penetration, we ain't naturally equipped. So, in the middle of missionary, I tell your wife to close her eyes while I describe picture-perfect plots that climax between her thighs. I taught your wife how to explore her mind. Did y'all role-play again yet? Mm. She likes that shit more now, right? My favorite? Nah, fuck that. Our favorite is when I pretend to be you. Spray on your cologne and even wear your black suit with the pants that hug a little tight around the hips. Look, I apologize about that little stain above the rip, but your wife is really into some nasty shit when she's shaped. I grab her throat with a tight grip that she choke and push up to call me Chris. She will never question who wears the pants in this relationship. See, I told you, ain't no reason in being mad. I'm not some other woman in a love affair. Chris, I'm the best fucking friend you've ever had. <laughs> Here we go. Wow. <laughs> Great. How do I like, control my facial expression? Another phone word again. It was just sitting down with a whole bunch of poets and they was like hey let's just try to write some poems that no one else is gonna write about let's just write poems that's just telling talking shit and talk, telling stories i said okay let's do it <laughs> no last awesome. story well adrian says it's her favorite so you know thank you <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love it. I love it. I feel like I can continue to talk to you. I'm like, where did the hour go? Like, I just, I just don't want to. <laughs> I feel like we can't talk I know enough. I've been a talker since elementary school. My mama mm -hmm. used to warn my teachers about that, so that's probably my fault. <laughs> no, it's good. It's good. No, but thank you so much. You know, really, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for. Um, 
you know, these talks about liberation, about sex, about pleasure and laughs. I think, you know, to end this day, that's been a day with just like my cheeks just like, just are super hard right now. It's it's great. I think so. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you guys so much for having me on. I really, really appreciate this experience. I think this is a great layout for a show. Like after a long day, it feels good to just sit and talk shit. I I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. And that's the the whole point of the show (laughs) that came about was just because it's like we realized that like, all right, we know poets because we know their work, but do we know no poets? Do we know them, know them? Let's get to know. I say that all the time. Like I I understand y'all, you know, people know me. They know Roddy on stage. Y'all don't know. Y'all don't really be knowing though. Like, <laughs> uh, well, thank you again. It's been a fantastic conversation. I feel like we're all closer. Maybe we'll have a reunion in Baltimore. <clears throat> Rock. <Yes. laughs> I can't wait to come. And you know, a little birdie told me it's a, you know it's a little birthday week happening out there. So oh. we're gonna have some fun. I'm, oh. I'm gonna have a ball. However, oh. this night goes. However, Baltimore goes. I know I'm gonna have me a ball. There's going to be balls to be had. Oh, there you go. So I know we have uh, your your IG displayed on the screen, but for anybody that's listening or any any other forms, can you just let people know where they can find you, where they can find your work, if they want to purchase your 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 book or like book you for something? Where do people go to connect with you? So uh, that okay. So um, Instagram is always perfect, always the best. Uh, because all of my work is there. But um, you can follow me on Instagram. You can follow me on Facebook as well. I do have an artist page on Facebook. So, same thing, Roddy the Poet. Um, again, if you're on my Twitter, it is not professional. That's why I do my ratchetry, okay? So, <laughs> again, <laughs> um, if you would like to purchase some of my work and you enjoy what I'm doing, uh, I'm going to be doing a, a lot of shows coming up, closing out the year. Um, I'm going to be performing next week, next Thursday in North New Jersey with my team, the New Jewel Slam team. It's going to be a great night. Um, all of this information can be found on Instagram and Facebook. I'm very, very active on both. Feel free to reach out to me. Um, if you would like to buy a book on both of my artist page, there's a link directly to my webpage. You go to my webpage and the first thing that pops up is buy Roddy's book. <laughs> I'm telling you. So, um, again, um, if you guys like what I'm doing, please follow me. Stick a, stick around. I'm 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 not slowing down at all. I have so much more work coming up, and I think you guys are really really gonna enjoy it. Okay, thank you so much again. Thank you, thank you. It's an absolute pleasure. Um, you know we're we're ending Virgo season, entering Libra season. So That's right. enjoy, enjoy your season. You know, celebrate the wonderful person that you are. And um, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, show some love one more time in the comment section for Roddy, y'all. Roddy, thank you. No, thank you guys so much. Mad love to y'all. And all the people. Oh, look, I see Queen in here. That's what's up. Queen of my own. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Oh, Rocky. Yes. Yeah. That was a great day. I know. Like I, needed, I don't know if it was a great day, but I needed all that joy, all that laughter, all that conversation. Faux show. It really was. I just like it's a great way to end this this day. Really, mm-hmm. to end this day. I you know, like every time we we have a poet on, we're like, I didn't know that I needed this until we went through it. You know. You know what? And Adrian said the same thing. She said, "Thank you, Roddy. Great ending to my day." So yeah. thank you to Adrian and to everybody else that is tuned in live tonight. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're here live every Tuesday night. Or if you're listening to this afterwards on the podcast or watching on YouTube, thank you for just sticking around for this conversation and tuning in. We we appreciate you uh, listening and getting to know these incredible poets. Yeah, and then so thank you again. Thank you if you want. Um, please, not if you want, but please follow us on IG and Twitter um, at Words and Shh. Okay. Uh, we really, really would love for you to like follow our contact. That's when we update who we're going to bring in and tell your friends to give us a follow too. Yeah. And I just realized that I fucked that up. So we're just going to keep it rolling. Uh, yeah. So also, yeah, that was all me. That's what it was the pause for. I was like, I it's, it's been a day. And I was like, let me. <laughs> 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 
the awkward pause was was not Rocky being awkward. It was me mixing things up. But in any case, you follow us on IG and Twitter. Also, if you want to catch past episodes of this is your first time that you are joining us here on this show, we have had over 60 episodes at this point. Over 60 poets featured on this platform. You can do that on our YouTube page, Words and Shit, or wherever you get your podcast. It's available in audio form if you prefer to listen to it. Don't forget to like and subscribe, rate and review wherever you can. We finally reached 100 subscribers on YouTube, so I'm going to change our URL whenever YouTube lets me. (laughs) Yeah, and if not, please come back next week, same time, same place, um, for our next Feature, which is going to be on September 21st, Mason Ranger. Yeah. No stranger to New York, okay, from the Bowery Poetry Slam team, now out on the West Coast, but we are excited to have Mason on this platform. Um, until then, y'all, stay safe out there. Bye, y'all. Bendiciones. <laughs> <laughs>